Okay, so let's just jump straight into the questions. The first question is from Abhay Krishna. He says, I have heard that Gaudiya Vaishnavas can end up serving either solely in Krishna Lila, solely in Mahaprabhu's Lila, or shifting between both Lilas. My question is, how can it be possible that Gaudiyas could serve only in Krishna Lila, when the only reason we have any connection uh, to the intimate dealings of Radha and Krishna and how to access them is because of Mahaprabhu. And also the fact that at the very climax of the Rasa Lila, Mahaprabhu's descent is more or less created out of Krishna's realization that Radha is experiencing more bliss than him. So if he is at the very center of the window of the Gaudiya's transcendental reality, how can it be that some sadhakas could have an eternal service without him? Well, I think that um, what Bhaktivinoda Thakur has said in this regard is is a, a little bit different. And that is that some devotees have more attraction for Krishna Lila, some have more attraction for Gaur Lila, and some have equal attraction for both, hmm? which um, does away with your question, looking at it from that vantage point. That said, there are some Gaudiya Vaishnavas and they're in an extreme uh, minority. I only know of one um, one lineage within the Advaita community, one of many, that um, promoted the idea that Gorlila is only manifest in, in this world. Mm-hmm. And as an outreach or as a means to bring people within to Krishna Lila, wherein having attained, you know, Gaur Lila has, uh, has, re- has retired. As I say, that is not the, um, mainstream of Gaudiya uh, Vaishnavism. And, um, to support that, it's not mainstream. We have some poems, some stanzas, and so forth, uh, meditations on uh, the Aprakat Gorli that have been penned by uh, universally accepted uh, saints like Vishnu Chakrati Thakur. Uh, we like to sing a Bengali edition of his Sanskrit um, um description in eight or ten verses of uh, Gors Apricot Lila. Um, the Bengali edition written, I believe, by one of his disciples. Um, so, and that's an example of what I'm talking about as mainstream evidence for the, and support of an Apricot uh, Gors Lila or Nitya Gors Lila, as you like. So, um, yeah, your, your reasoning is good. Um, I like that. Um, um, that said, um, it may be possible that, um, some devotees take Gorlila more in a way as, as a means to an end than they are attracted to contemplating it as an end. Mm-hmm. as well, right? Um, it's more typical that in, Bo- in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, the means and the ends are the same, but um, I think that one could probably make a case for uh, looking at Gaur-lila as a means to enter Krishna-lila and, excuse me, not being that attracted to uh, it, it, it's hard to fathom, but it, you know, I could I, I say it's, it's, it's possible. And obviously, that one group that I mentioned must must uh, think of it along those lines. But let's say you know that's not your position philosophically, theologically, that there is an apricot gorlila. It's it is hard to imagine someone wouldn't want to participate in it. Once uh, one of my disciples asked us that, that it seemed like Christian lila was more exciting than gorlila. And I, I, I differed from that. Imagine if every time you chanted everything that is said about the, the virtues and the possibilities that would, would, um, 
result happened, um, etc. Every time you saw the deity, and so, it would be quite an exciting um, um, uh, life. So, but um, I'm just thinking out loud. Um, maybe you know, possible that one looked at Korlila. Um, to take the teachings, focusing on the Madhya Lila, where the teachings are found as a means to enter Krishna Lila, which they are, and um, and didn't uh, uh, and didn't cultivate in a, at the point where one could um, a um, an identity as a Brahmin boy in the Lila. Um, but only an identity in Krishna Lila, then it's it's possible that they could participate in the Krishna Lila um, and not in Gaur Lila. We say that Gaur Lila is inside of the lotus of Krishna Lila. So there are people on the outside, even of the Braj Lila, let's say on metaphorically or poetically speaking, on the petals of the lotus that is Goloka, Braj being in in a very center so in the outer petals there are uh, there's a possibility of, of participating in a swakya or married leelas of radha and krishna rather than the parakya so um, and on a smaller scale there are all kinds of windows or prakashas within the leela which some are participating in and others are not participating in so it's possible that um one could um, participate in apricot lila of Krishna, having gone there um, through uh, the dispensation of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and only be uh, attracted to that and um, and not participate in uh, in the Gaur lila. Um, it's not that. Uh, Every night in the Apricot Lila, there's a Rasa Lila and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is emerging out of it or something like that. Um, um, so, uh, I, you know, I think it, it, it is uh, it is possible. I have met dance devotees, one who was more attracted, obviously, to uh, Krishna, it was obvious to me, to Krishna Lila and uh, then Gaur Lila and I... Um, I got. I mentioned that uh, to him, um, and um, he told me he had no imagination for that. Hmm? For uh, participating in Gorlila, that was Bhakti Bhadanta Narayan Maharaj. So I was I was surprised. Now you know, I didn't press it further and, and, and ask further about it, but. Um, those are some of my thoughts on the subject. Thank you for a nice question. Thank you very much. The next question is from, let's see, Krishnadas. Good morning, Guru Maharaj. Good morning. Um, so my question is related to, um, I was recently listening to a talk that you gave um, maybe a couple months ago about the principle of accepting Krishna as one's maintainer, how that relates, like as a like the main limb of Sharanagati, and how to practically apply that to one's life as a sadhaka. So, I was kind of wondering if uh, if you could speak um, about Atmanivedanam and uh, as a limb of Sharanagati, and how a sadhaka and um, would uh, apply that uh, principle practically and sustainably um, in one's uh, life. Yeah, it's um, rather subtle, I, I, I think. Atmanivedanam um, means uh, like self-resignation. It, sometimes it's it's compared to um, um, conducting oneself in relation to Krishna like a domestic animal. Mm-hmm. Um, who's like a cow in particular, you know, they pull the cow on the rope this way, or that. Of course, they don't always really cooperate, but <laughs> they're supposed to. Uh, 
and um, and uh, in that way, um, I don't want to say dependent because you know that 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 speaks more to another anga. So as I say, there's really kind of quite a a subtle uh, differentiation, but self resignation. I resign myself. Something. I th- I think it's um um. It's always been difficult for me to talk about that Atmanimadam as a separate um, um, practice, if you will. The example in the Bhagavatam of Atmanimadam is, is Bali Maharaj, who was asked, um, by Bamandev, Bamabhatar, for three steps of land, and he gave two steps, and they took up the whole world, but it was basically nowhere to live. Left and so he said, "Well, it looks like you're not good for your word because you were going to give me three steps." I said, "Put it on my head, right?" Um, so there's another example of Atmanivedanam, uh, but I think that um, it uh, is more of a you have to look at it in a practical and sustainable way as a mental um, exercise, thinking oneself, you know, along along these lines. Um, it's uh, and it should be possible for either a monk, monastic, or or a householder conceptually how it would play out, which is maybe also part of how you're asking, would be different in both instances. For a monk, it might be more apparent if he or she monastic was uh, to be an example of that. Whereas for a householder, it might be uh, played out in a way that wouldn't be as apparent. Um, you know, you can look at the life of Bhagavad you know, There are many householders, of course, in, in Vaishnavism history, history and, um, and Gaudi Vaishnavism in particular. But in uh, Bhagavad was prominent in the, in the modern world. And he had like 12 children, I think, 12 or 14 children. Um, and um, it was certainly a, a Sharanagata in the full sense of the term, which would include Atmanivedanam. But um, in, in that instance, or in the instance of the household, it's more of an internal way of thinking about oneself that one uh, cultivates and then looks at the things that one has to do with regard to family life and, and so on and so forth uh, while doing them in a different way if you will, than ordinary people uh, do. That's why it would be difficult, more difficult to detect, if you will, whereas it's more apparent in the case of a um, of a monastic. But um, that's about all I think I can say about it. Hmm. Um, may, it's it's one of the six anglas, um, and when it you know when it gets into dying and not in Nivedam, they seem maybe a little a little repetitive, but there are subtle nuances, I, I guess, between between um, those and aspects of humility or self-resignation that would appear to also be present in, in uh, uh, for example, the main uh, anga uh, of Sharanagati, which is to think of Krishna as my maintainer, right? So I would focus uh, that one maybe a little easier to understand, and then the other aspects of it, something like that. Another way to think about it. Thank you for your question. Thank you very much, Guru Maharaj. Hare Krishna. Where are you now? Uh, I'm in uh, Santa Cruz. Okay, looks like more like your old apartment in Fairfield, but no. Oh. <laughs> okay. Guru Maharaj, I had a short follow-up. Um, with with these kind of questions of like the six angas of Saranagari and so on, like I, a lot of times I start thinking like, it's kind of like this uh, uh, chicken or the egg question. Like, so we are supposed to kind of imitate the, the outer expressions of Saranagari to, to become more surrendered. It seems like what I mean with that is, so you act like a, a domestic animal, but actually you have all these desires and ambitions and stuff for yourself but then you kind of like castrate yourself in some ways to behave like a domestic animal, but it's not coming from 
how you actually feel? Or is it that, that it's the other way around that we have to somehow purify ourselves first and then we will want to surrender? That it's not like the kind of, uh, resignation that comes from wanting something else, but you just like surrender to, to think of something that you know is better. Do you know what I'm trying to ask? Not exactly, but I mean, you know, it's, it's, you can't say, uh, okay, everyone should be a Sharanagata. Okay, today I'll be a Sharanagata. I mean, it, it's the outer expression of one's faith, which is, something that's growing and uh you know the depth of the faith if you will which is the animating principle in life as we like to speak about it as krishna does in the gita is um is kind of central to the whole progression in bhakti the deeper the faith is well there's going to be corresponding action um and, and uh so you know, what can you say? It's an ongoing, uh, culture. And, um, so like I said, I don't entirely understand your question, but it's, it's something that, uh, you, sadhana bhakti, let's say up to the stage of ruchi, as I've explained it in my shikshastu commentary, this is the culture of sharanagati. So if you haven't attained ruchi, well, you haven't fully become a sharanagata either. Yeah. So I guess, Sorry, did I cut you in? Yeah. No, but what I, think I want that's... to say is, then I, I guess my question is like, how useful is it to act like a domestic animal if you don't feel like it in your heart? Like well, you're basically imitating. Yeah, it's probably, it's, it's not something to imitate. That, that I see, I guess I see what you're saying. Should I imitate this and then it will come? Or should I, should I, uh, know that it's there and cultivate my faith and it'll express itself, you know? As time as time goes on, as the faith matures, right? and I think the latter is 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 more the case. Nice, thank you. Okay, next question. Oops, where we are it is from Krishna Sevaka Prabhu. He's not here today, but he sent me a question. He says, uh, "Do you know if Krishna feels guilty or sorrow about creating the jivas whose desire for self enjoyment brings?" about so much suffering for themselves and secondly sometimes it seems my desire to have a close relationship with krishna is self-centered and will cause suffering until it is purified and turns completely into service and krishna centered i want to know how to balance this can you read that last part again uh okay so it was sometimes it seems that my desire to have a close relationship with Krishna is self-centered and that desire will cause suffering until it is purified and turns completely into pure service and Krishna centered. So he wants to know how to balance this. Regarding the first part of your question, no, Krishna doesn't feel guilty. Um, uh, the statement is there in the sutras of Vyas. Um, the world manifests out of the out of the bliss of Bhagwan of Brahman. So the one becomes many. Of course, the many are always existing, but it means the manifestation of the world. So they're already there within him. They manifest outwardly, and then they, he contracts the world and brings the world back within. And they go into shukti or to deep deep sleep, only to come out again, and so forth. But he, but he, but um, I think the you know a way to think about it that it's often talked about is that the jivas are within the depth of the being of of the uh, paramatma. He manifests them outward that they might have a relationship with him. It just so happens that he's also um, the overseer of the Maya Shakti. So when they come out, they have to meet with Maya Shakti and the influence of Maya Shakti is, is um, powerful. And as a result, uh, the Jeevas identify with it. And so they're, you know, therefore they they suffer, but uh, he appears in different avatars. He manifests the Vedas and, and so forth, all these things to uh, protect the Jiva from suffering to, to uh, uh, save the Jiva from suffering. It's something like 
okay, you know, should I be, should I feel guilty because I had a child? Because the child did, didn't take advantage of the teachings that I also gave the child and the help that I provided, um, and, and so forth. Um, should I, you know, beat myself up for having a child? No. Um, 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 you know, the, um, Gandhi had a statement that, uh, uh, when he was told by the British that the, the Indians are not fit for independence. And then Gandhi replied, fit or unfit, we want independence. By your measure, standard measure, or maybe by some objective measure, perhaps maybe we're not fit. We still want independence, freedom. So, you know, you can't ask Christian to make a round circle. Excuse me, a round square. Can you make a circular square? I mean, the question doesn't make any any sense, right? So, can can you manifest jivas, which are units of 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 will, in a sense, in such a way that they have no opportunity to do the wrong thing? That's like trying to make a square circle. If you're going to be a unit of will, which is so valuable, as we differentiate ourselves thereby from inanimate things, but you have no chance to choose the wrong thing, then you don't really have will. So, no, he doesn't feel bad about that uh, at all. And, and, and of course, you have to also appreciate the fact that these jivas are him. They're his own shakti. So, uh, you could say, well, as much as the jivas are suffering, he's suffering. Hmm. Um, they're him. There is, there is Shakti. His suffering in one sense takes, because he doesn't, he's not subject to ignorance, which is the real cause of suffering. Hmm. So there's a suffering on his part that takes the shape, if you will, of compassion. Hmm. Paramatma is closer to the world, if you will, than than Sri Krishna himself. And so sometimes it's said that out of compassion, the world is manifest. This is also the Chaitanya Charitamrita is an example of that, makes that statement. So there's a, similarly it's said about a Vaishnavas, Paradukadukikripambudhi, has no, no suffering for himself or herself, but suffers for the suffering of others upon seeing it and at least if not having experienced it oneself and thereby having a great capacity to be empathetic, at least knowing the mechanics of it, how it works and so forth. And, and, um, and uh, as a result, expressing compassion. So if Krishna, Krishna doesn't, God doesn't feel guilty, but he, he feels compassionate. Now, the other part of your question um, if I recall it correctly, I think that um, that wanting to have a personal relationship with Krishna and doing that such that it's not a self-centered exercise, the way that that is done is you have to think about what Krishna likes. For example, in Leela, what's pleasing to Krishna, what Krishna wants. Um, just like if you think about being a friend of Krishna, okay, then, you know, what? what is it that pleases him? Well, there's an aspect of him, which is his love for Radha. How could you ignore that? Now, there are gopi, gopas that don't, that do. That's their bhav, ignore that. But from my vantage point, how can I, I'll be frank with you, how can I think of loving Krishna as a friend when there's an aspect of my friend that it's significant that concerns his romantic life? Um, and as a result, uh, and results in him at times being in need of empathy 
a shoulder to cry on and so forth. How could I be, you know, do I want to be as tremendous just herd cows and, and have fun? Because I like that. You know, that sounds like a lot of fun. Or like, how does Krishna feel? How can I be his friend? How could, what would, um, I mean, <laughs> that's a, a, a kind of an example of how to think about having a relationship with Krishna that's not self-centered. We may think, I like to do this, therefore I'd like to, I think, and I'd like to do that with Krishna, with Krishna. But what does Krishna want? Of course, you know, he, he, he does want, um, uh, there are different rasas, so it will apply differently in, in different cases. Um, but, um, you know, this is the focus in Gaudiya Vaishnavism. We take, um, uh, romantic life. Okay. Madhurya Rasa. What's the thinking in Gaudi Vaishnavism about Madhurya Rasa? So if you learn that there's possibility of romantic relationship with Bhagavan, if you take it as something, you know, more or something that manifests practically out of the more basic and broad idea that this type of love, romantic life is the most intense type of life. So let me do my sound in, in a most intense way, like a young girl hmm, falling in love for a young man and let's allows nothing to get in the way. He's ready to break every rule for it. That's the broader idea that this is a sasadana. These are exam this is an example hmm, to help us understand the intensity with which if I serve, I can come as close to the God it is possible. Now we take that. To mean that it also plays out practically in a Leela, right? And then the Leelas are described in different ways and, and, and with different details, different times, and so on and so forth. And, and that Leela or that manifestation of that idea of being a girl in a Leela with, with God, aside from just being a model, you know, to think about, well, that's described in poetry and so on and so forth. Now, what I like to say about that is that what's being described there is an attempt to talk about that. Uh, but what it is exceeds whatever anyone can say about it. Uh, Prabhupada was concerned that the Leela wouldn't disappear as a, just a metaphor, right? And, and just serve as a metaphor. Um, um, but there's a way to talk about it that is more than literal rather than less than literal. Some take it as less than literal. I'm talking about it. It's more than literal. The literal explanations, it's more than that. And that can't be put into words. And you got to go there and experience it. But anyway, with regard to romantic life, then what is showcased in Gaudi Vaishnavism? Having a romantic relationship with Krishna, what's showcased is the very, the very idea that, well, I love Krishna romantically, uh, and I enter into his romantic life, and I find out that he loves Radha. Hmm? The dear to Krishna is the Krishna controlled by Radha. Hmm? And, that, and that no one romantically can please Krishna more than Radha. Hmm? Therefore, if I want to serve him romantically, let me serve Radha, assist Radha, because that's what his romantic life is about, ultimately, his affair with Radha. So I want to be participating in his romantic life. Let me, let me, let me participate in it fully like this by subjugating my, my karma, if you will, my, my, my amor for, for Krishna personally, which is, he's all attracted as a, as a young, Young, young man, young adolescent, right? Um, subjugate that to serve us, a dasya disposition, if you will, a service to the one whom he, he loves the most and serve her and, and, and help them to bring about the union. You see, this is a, this is them thinking about Madhuri Rasa in a, not in a self-centered way. 
you follow? Just like I talked about the Narmasakas. It's in a self-centered way. Like the general idea, he's a friend. Like the general idea, he, but, but what is that? How does his life work? And let me assist him in that, you know, in that context. That's a little deep, but um, that's the answer to your question. <laughs> that was nice. Uh, let's see. <coughs> okay, the next question is from Shraddha Devi from, from Canada. She says, Pranam Guru Maharaj, from our, our study group, we would like to confirm that Madhavendra Puri was a secret tree in Vrindavan in Krishna Leela. Being the tree fits in with the history that he did not want very much fame, which would interfere with his service. Uh, so that's the first question. She's got a short second question, but I can ask that once you've answered this one. Well, um, it's uh, mentioned in Gorgonadesh Deshtipika of Kapikarnapur, which is a famous book wherein he... Um, makes a well-reasoned and spiritually sound conjecture um, as to who in Gorlila the devotees of Gaur, who who the devotees in Gorlila are in Krishna Lila based on the reasoning the spiritual reasoning that if Krishna himself is present in the form of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, well, his associates must be present because you can't have Krishna without his associates. That's the beta babe, right? You can't have the son of, you can't have Yashoda Nandan without Yashoda. You can't have Radha Nath without Radha. And their love, Radha's love, Yashoda's love, in this case, for example, Krishna corresponds with their love. So that's the, that's the one and different. There's a difference, but there's one. You can't have one without the other. So this is a very um, good spiritual reasoning on the part of the Gaudias. Because many people in India say that their guru is Krishna or this person is an avatar of Krishna or Ram or so on and so forth. But, you know, they don't stop to reason where are the other associates and that they would be a necessity. This is a very deep understanding of Gaudiya Vaishnavism that uh, it's hard to get around if you if you look into it. So... Um, so Kavikarnapur took up the task of identifying Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's associates with uh, associates of Krishna and Krishna Lila. And as I said, so as I said, it's a it's a spiritually sound and well-reasoned conjectures that he uh uh raises. Um uh that means that he looked in the scriptures, uh he he's familiar with the bhavas of the different devotees of Braj. Hmm? Uh, he's acquainted with and he interviewed apparently different sadhus of the time to get their perspective and opinions. Therefore, in some places he gives their different opinions. They're also reasonable uh, and so on and so forth. So I just want to put uh, that in front of the answer to your, your, your question. Um, 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 emphasizing that there's some fluidity here and everything isn't like set in stone. And again, in the book itself, there are other, other conjectures, other opinions that he cites, other devotees that felt like this. Some say this, some say that, that could be this, could be. So it's a little bit like that. Uh, you know, um, a century or so later, Vishwanath Chakravitaka wrote an, uh, a similar book, same, exact same idea. He follows Kavikarnapur, I'd say about, you know, 90%, but in 10% he has differences that he um, um, puts out there. So, <clears throat> um, um, you know, one of the famous ex- examples in Kavikarnapur's book is, is, is Ramananda Roy. And the fact that he gives, he cites four different opinions. Who is Ramananda Roy? Some say he's Arjun, e, Arjun, the, 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 um, the Narmasaka of Vrindavan. Some say he's, um, 
Mahaprabhu says he's Pandava Arjun. So some say he's a combination of the two, Pandava Arjun and the Arjun who's a, who's a Narmasaka. And then others say that he's uh, that he's uh, Lalita, and others say that he is Arjuniya. So if you study carefully what he said there over a couple of verses, he emphasizes that, first of all, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said he's Pandava Arjun, so we can't get around that, he says. Therefore, he can't be Lalita. So he actually is dismissing the idea that he's Lalita, although some say that in his text, Lita Saki. Um, let's, what about those who put together the idea that, that he is a combination of Arjun in the Braj Lila and Arjun in the Hastinapur and Dwarka Lila, Pandava Arjun? Hmm? Why are they doing that? Well, because they're faithful to the, to the, to the fact that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said he's Pandava Arjun. But there's also things that come out of Ramananda Roy that, that weren't in Pandava Arjun. After all, he, he, he uh, see how he answered Mahaprabhu's questions in their conversation. The conversation between Ramananda and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu takes all the way to Gopi Bhav and, and uh, Madanaki Mahabhav and so forth. In the end, it was uh, Ramananda Roy along with Srupa Dhamana that were the closest associates of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu helping him to step into Gopi Bhav. How could Pandavarjan do that? He, he's not familiar with that. So they wanted to be faithful to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's opinion, but they had this also reason that, well, but we find things in Ramana Roy in relation to Madhurya Rasa that's not there in Pandava Arjun. So there's a, there's another Arjun in Krishna Leela, in Braj, who's a Narmasaka. So maybe they're, well, let's make it, let's make a conjecture. They could be, Ramana Roy could be a combination of these two. Okay. The idea that he's Arjuniya. Well, this is a statement about Pandava Arjun. Pandava Arjun asked Krishna in some Purana, well, you know, what is this Gopi Bab all about? And he said, well, you know, he couldn't really talk about it. He said, go to Vrindavan, you know, go and bathe in this lake over here, and then come back. So he went and bathed in the lake and he came out with the Gopi form. And he was named Arjuniya for a day. Gopi for a day, right? And, uh, you know, then he came back to his original form and he understood. So some say he's Arjuniya. Now, Kapikarnapur kind of likes that idea. He's Pandava Arjun and Arjuniya. But they're trying to do the same thing. He's trying to find where this Madhurya insight, romantic love insight in Pandava Arjun can be found. So that's a way of reasoning about it. Spiritually, um, of course, he was gopi for a day. Um, you know, it doesn't mean there's an eternal Arjuniya who's a gopi, something like that. But that's that's not the proper way to think about it. And um, um, anyway, so you know, this is an example of there, there's some flexibility there. Later, you find in Chaitanya Charta, we talk about Raman Roy when he's catering to Mahaprabhu with Auntie Leela, helping him step into Radha Bhav. Well, the author, Krishna Skaviraj, who's writing after Kavi Karnapur's book, reasons that Raman Roy served Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in a way similar to how Subal was the principal Narmasaka served uh, Krishna in his moments of separation from Radha. And Surup Damodar was also there with Ramananda and served like Lalita. So he looks at um, Ramananda Roy more like a combination of Arjuna, Narmasaka, and Pandava Arjuna. So, you know, there are different opinions. Now, uh, sorry for the long preface, but um, uh, you want to know about Madhavendra Puri? It's mentioned he's a Kalpa Riksha tree. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I I would not uh, take that in literal uh, sense. I would take it that that he that that he represents like um, in terms of the succession because he's, he's the guru of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. That all all your desires can be fulfilled, you know, through through him. Such as the position of the Kalpavriksha. He's giving that. Now he's obviously um, deeply. It's it's also obvious, I should say, from Chaitanya Charitamrita and other texts, but Chaitanya Charitamrita in particular, that he's absorbed in 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 um, in Madhuri Rasa, the famous uh, statement of his um, that he cited at the at, at the end of his life, a uh, very deep um, expression of Radha Dasyam. So it's hard for me to think of him as a tree. Now that said, vines and trees are thought sometimes in Vrindavan to be in Madhurya Rasa. Hmm. Uh, you see the tree wrapped by a vine. Uh, you know, you see Madhurya Rasa, right? Uh, um, but in that instance, usually Krishna is the tree and the vine is Radha, and it's, and it's, this is how Krishna is reminded and Radha is reminded. Uh, they are reminded through the forest of one another. But um, I, I would look at that statement as, as a more kind of a broad statement that, oh, we, you know, he's given Mahaprabhu and through Mahaprabhu we can, all all desires can be fulfilled, the highest ideal. Um, so I, I tend not to take it so literally that he, that is Swarup in the, in the Nitilila is a tree. When we say that a tree is in Madhuri Rasa or a hill is in, you know, Saki Rasa or the cows are in Vatsali Rasa, uh, it's also clear from the Goswami's texts that these non-human examples of Rasas don't experience the Rasa to the fullest extent that those do in the human form in the Leela. Hmm. So there's some, you know, shade of that, some semblance of that, something like that. And these tend to be features of the Dom. Hmm. Um, uh, extensions, let's say, of, you know, cows, extensions of Yasoda's Vatsalya Bhava. Hmm that go with Krishna into the forest when he leaves Vatsalya Bhav behind to her great, uh, you know, distress and concern, right? Nandan or concern. They go with some semblance of Vatsalya Ras goes with. Rather than thinking, I'll become a cow. I'll become a tree. I'll become a stone in Vrindavan, you know. Now Brahma prayed if he, if he could just become a blade of grass and Vrindavan he'd be doing good. You know, that's that's a way of, of extolling the virtues of that place. Because he said, I'll be trampled on by the heads of the of the devotees there. So the the ideal of Godi Vaishnava is to become in human like form, to participate in the human like Leela of Krishna in one of these dominant, predominant sentiments that our material life is all about. It's about our kids, it's about our friends, it's about our lovers, and so on and so forth. Put Krishna in the center. Um, so given that uh, this is the ideal, it's hard to think of, of, of Madhavindrapuri as, as a tree rather than as a person, if you will, in, or in human-like form. To associate fully with the human-like form of Bhagwan there rather than uh, you know partially as I'm explaining and so in that sense well then you know no particular gopi identity in the Lila has been assigned to him by anyone but I, I wouldn't um, dismiss the idea that he is a gopi there based on that Not expected. Maybe you weren't expecting that answer, but there it is. Uh, then she had another kind of question from the same study group. She asks, 
In chapter 5, verse 9 of the Madhya Lila, it speaks of a love quarrel of Prema Kalaha between Jagannath and Sakshi Gopal. Is there any more detail anywhere about this quarrel? Thank you. No, I don't remember that. Quarrel between Jagannath and Sakshi Gopal. I'd have to look that up, to be honest with you. And I doubt that there's any uh, discussion anywhere else. Um, Yeah, they're at a little bit of a distance from one another. So I have to look that up. But I don't know, other than what you find, just to refresh my own memory, but I I won't be able to refer you to anywhere else. I certainly never um, saw that played out anywhere else. A, con- a, a, a disagreement between two, two deities, very interesting. Agurumach, one small thing. You said that uh, Ramananda Rai was Lalitsaki, but wasn't it that he's Vishaka? Well, what I'm saying to you is that he's not Lalita Saki. Some devotees, Prabhupada uh, says, some devotees say he's Arjuniya and Arjun combined. Some say he's Lalita Saki. Some say he's Arjun and Arjuniya. He says, these three of these are right. And he implies there because Mahaprabhu says he's fond of Arjun. Whoever says he's the Lita is wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he's now, well, as I said, there's some fluidity here. So when you go to Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur's book a century later, mm-hmm. he says that Ramanand Roy is Arjuniya and Arjun, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And Arjuniya is an expansion of Vishaka, therefore he's Vishaka. Now that seems to have been embraced by a number of devotees, and and I think they really like the idea that Vishaka and 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 Lalita, the two closest friends of Radha, were there in the end to help Mahaprabhu step into Radha Bhav, which he's trying to do, and which they are so familiar with, right? So, um, so I think Bhakti Node like like that idea and thought of um, Ramananda Roy as a as a manifestation of Vishaka. Um, but you know, there's there's room for some differences on that in the in the realm of bhajan. Hmm. Nice. Okay, the next question is from Hari John. Good morning, Guru Maharaj. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I would like to ask, uh, there is like group of uh, philosophers or like, and like atheistic maybe, and they say that like, uh, ultimate reality is just like some, sum of all feelings or emotions, like they call it like qualia or something, and, and they, they, cannot explain like the what's like individual subject and individuality doing there but they came to conclusion like that there is some factor of time you know and it's kind of hard to argue against it and I don't know if even like there is some sense to it but because in Shastra it also says there's like by time uh, by time like Krishna like control the world so so can you could, could you explain like how there is like personality be, beyond time if like you know, to elaborate a little bit like if... well, I'm not familiar with the philosophical uh, uh, perspective that you're describing I'm, I'm more familiar with the idea that which is a prominent philosophical idea that qualia or qualitative experiences are an, an illusion. That's basically physicalism, naturalism, materialism, which is predominant philosophical thought. Um, um, and, and the reality is just physical uh, stuff. The hard problem in philosophy is to explain how physical stuff can have qualia, qualitative experiences, feel good, Experience red, uh, blue, 
uh, and have the experience. That's what qualia is. Qualia is the experience. Hmm. You know, one of the uh, uh, pretty strong argument against materialism or naturalism, which states that all everything is physical, everything can be reduced to the physical, is the mind uh, experiment of Mary's room. They took Mary, they put her in a room. She had no experience of of red. Um, color red, but they acquainted her with all the physical properties of red. Mm-hmm. But when she stepped out of the room and experienced red for the first time, she had a, she knew red in a way that she'd never known it before, even though she knew all the physical um, properties of what we call the color red. Mm-hmm. So the argument is that, well, there's more to red or the qualitative experience of a color for example, or anything else, than just the physical uh, properties of such. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is an argument against physicalism. Uh, so uh, um, you know, maybe you're familiar with the, the famous hard problem of consciousness that uh, Chalmers came up with, which is again this: how, how to explain that non-experiential reality, physical stuff, can start to have experience or qualia. It just doesn't make, it just doesn't, you can't demonstrate that. It doesn't have able to, it doesn't make sense. So we need to explain the experiential aspect of life as being non-physical. So, you know, that's an argument. I don't know what really... If you've represented an argument accurately, philosophically, I really don't understand at all what you were um, what you were saying. Um, some philosophers accept qualia as being what I don't know in the time. I, I don't really understand your question. Like uh, like like this there's a statement that uh, rasa vaisa like everything is rasa basically, and they say like everything is like qualia. So it's kind of, we can compare them, those statements, but they You're just... You're saying that there are some modern philosophers that say everything is qualia. Yeah, yeah, like everything is qualia. Well, what do they mean by that? That everything is mind, for example? Everything is uh, uh, like uh, idealism? So yeah, ideal- right. idealism, you understand what idealism is, right? Idealism is that the world is thoughts, really. Hmm? What we see physically is not what's really there, but it's how thought the thoughts of Bhagwan express themselves, uh, and we only see part of it, the part that we need from an evolutionary point of view. They would say to survive, we don't see the whole thing. Therefore, we're 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 an illusion. Um, so, there, there, you know, there's something to be said from that for for that. The, the argument against idealism has been for years. Well. Everything is not just your thoughts, but here we're saying everything is God's thoughts, including ourselves. No, these are thoughts of God. And so whether we experience them or think about them, it doesn't matter. They still exist. Uh, physical world still exists as a way in which God's thoughts express themselves. So although things look physical and hard and, you know, and, and, and so forth. Um, that's only in, in appearance. So, you know, in that worldview, everything is thought, and and thought, emotion, feeling, um, you know, for the most part, um, philosophers aren't distinguishing between thought and consciousness. We distinguish, we look at thought as a subtle form of matter out of which the gross matter comes or um, or the gross matter is thought expressing itself but that thought in a similar way that it generates gross matter it is generated by consciousness proper so um Anyway, if some philosophers are, are idealists in that sense and are saying that, that uh, Coelia is um, 
quality of everything is qualitative experience. I guess they have, they're idealists. I don't know what what time has to do with it here. Um, but if you want to send me, you know, an article or you know, the name of a philosopher that um, is promoting what you're talking about, I'll, I'll look into it and see if those uh, that that idea has some um, offers us some modern way of talking about our own uh, perspective, which is would be, be useful. Okay. Thank you. Okay. We the next question is from Anjali from Brighton. Oh. Okay. Hi Krishna Garage. Um can't hear you. Oh Anjali, go to uh, below there's English and then click on the English and mute original audio. Oh. Um sorry, where would I see that? Grunish Saparu? Do you see something at the bottom of your screen that says English? Little globe? It might say uh, interpretation too. I'm not sure. EN, English. It's third from the right at the bottom. On the far bottom, it says leave in red. On the left of that, it says. I don't have it online. Oh, right. it might be different if, if she's on a. I'm, I'm on a. I'm on a. I'm on a, a phone. Maybe that's why. Oh, hold on. Let's see. Did you Interpretation English. Yeah. Hello, 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 Well, it's good right. to see you. There you go. Is that working? Hare Krishna. Ah, oh, okay. Great. Hare Krishna, Kumaraj. Uh, good to see you. And I, I had a question following Jen Master me this week. Um. Uh, I was listening to Canto 10, uh, the beginning chapters of, of Krishna's birth. And I was just wondering, so Gansa hears this prophetic voice when he's on his way to drop Devaki and Vasudev. And I was just wondering who we should understand the source of that is. And in that time, was it that, you know, these things would happen frequently for them to take weight of, you know, voices that would come from and, and the messages that they would bring because obviously that triggers then the whole chain of events that follows an, an oracle right? something yeah. yeah i'm just i was just trying to make sense of where that you know where we should understand that voice comes from and and because then cancer ends up taking action based on that right. well krishna leela of course Involves the, the fountainhead of all divinity appearing in human life form on earth, um, and all other features of divinity are within him and expressed to one extent or another within the, within the Leela. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, aside from the fact that he's the source of all avatars, um, devas, who are um, the consciousness, if you will, behind the, the macrocosm of wind, of light, air, and, and so on and so forth. These are all like thought to be the divinitrina, partial manifestations of the divinity who is who is the controller of everything. Sarva Karna Karna. He's the cause of all causes, and so. Uh, uh, on a lesser, if you will, causal level, um, he's also operative as an Indra, you know, partial. It's, a, it's a, that position of an Indra, that position of a Brahma is a partial manifestation of him, himself, and some jiva may inhabit that, that post for some time, right? So, um, this is just an example of Diabnitrina. So, from the celestial, you know, Deva realm, it's obviously, you might wonder, well, where are the devas now? And stuff, but where is Krishna now? I mean, so it's a special time when Krishna appears, when, when, when he who is entirely beyond time and space appears within time and space 
for the express purpose of helping us get beyond that frame of reference, which we're limited by, which inhibits us from understanding him and thinking it to be a little fantastic or, you know, or, or whatever. Um, when he's present, then uh, arguably, then other things that um, are out of the ordinary divine oracles coming from the sky and so forth, uh, um, are um, a greater possibility than in ordinary life, Kali Yuga, and, and, and it's, it's not a, a special time for the avatars. Is is of all you know the source of all avatars is appearing and so forth. So there are wonderful things that happen around Krishna Leela that wouldn't happen ordinarily. So with regard to this this oracle, like. Oh, you know, the eighth son of uh, Devaki will be the source of your death. So um, it's um, in this in this more subtle uh, realms, um, uh, like what we see, what we hear, what we taste and touch. This is, this is just really like uh, looking through a little tiny hole in the fence, the other side of what's what's actually out there. And you think it's the whole picture. It really is so far from the whole picture. And this is, you know, uh, to give an example of that, how, how limited our ability through sensual, mental, and intellectual power, uh, how limited it is to understand the picture of the world, hmm, what's out there, right? Hmm. Hmm. Um, uh, Someone was telling me, maybe it was, maybe it was, it was I was having a discussion with Gurunishta, with you, Gurunishta, we were talking about the fact that they don't even, in, in medical science, they don't even understand the digestive system. Not even close. The humans, they're just like, they have just a fraction of an understanding of how it works. What to speak about how the brain, the most complicated part, works. Hmm? But there's this way of talking about it it leads people to believe they figured it all out. You know, they figured everything out, except, you know, maybe just one little thing left to figure out, you know. So that it's, it's, that's just an example of how complex on the one hand, how limited on the other hand, our capacity is to um, understand existence with the faculties that we have of mind, intellect, and, and, and senses. And if you can really, um, understand this point it can be a very powerful um, impetus to apply oneself hmm, in a trans the transrational practice of chanting by which uh, the idea is you can know something beyond what you could know with even intelligence mind and senses and get another picture hmm? you can't get the whole picture there's no way by these limited faculties um, uh, under themselves. This is a very powerful point in modern science, modern, you know, honest people in the field will, you know, say things like, like what I cited about just the digestive system. Um, also in that regard, and this is part of the conversation I was having with Gurnish, I'm, I'm reminded of, you know, in modern science, I realize I'm speaking on a tangent, but I'll get back to it, directly answer your question. Uh, a lot of superstition has been uh, retired um, uh, in medical science, for example. Uh, you know, various shamans and whatnot had ideas about how to cure things or, or, or that were weren't working, and in modern science, retired those superstitions and, and so forth. But unfortunately, um, what's happened in the modern world. Uh, with faith in science as it retires certain, super, super, certain superstitions, also insights have been retired that were um, afforded those who are less in their head. Hmm? Hmm? Humans living less in their head, living, 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 living less within reason and knowing more, like animals have a way of knowing about nature at at times that you know we don't we can't pick pick up on with our reasoning. You can't be driving in a car from you know uh, 
your travels on a vacation somewhere and be blindfolded and realize now I'm close to, I'm getting close to home now. I can feel it. But a dog can. If you have a dog that lives in your home and you go on a trip hundreds of miles away, when you come back, as you start to approach the home, he can, he can feel it. And, you know, so, so that it's an example, right? Without reasoning, there's a, there's a way of knowing about the world. They can sense it, right? Whatever. Um, may not be the best example, but it is an example. So humans, less relying on reason, knew about certain things, right? That, that, that have been lost by the exercise and emphasis of reason. Now that reason is another place that can't take us a further distance. But if we get too intoxicated by reasoning power, then we can reason away the efficacy of reason itself. That, that's materialism. Reasons away the efficacy of reason. Because there's no, there's no right. There's no wrong. There's just atoms or whatever physical forces. And if there's no right or wrong action, there's no right or wrong thought either. It, it, it doesn't weigh in on, you know, actual truth. Uh, it has no, no no power to do that. So this is like this is like the excuse me for the term. It's just like intellectual masturbation that it doesn't result in a child. You know, or it, it's 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 useless. So um, so anyway, there are uh, celestials. There are subtle realms. There are there are ghosts. Let's say okay, you know, uh, uh, and and um, beings that um, um, you know see things from a different vantage point and can can intervene on some level but these are oracles then um, and sometimes those oracles will will manifest in certain expressions of nature and those who are more attuned can read that and understand it. but a, a voice actually coming from the sky well that's pretty profound but you're out your question is who who, who said that <laughs> Right. So it's this, it's the celestials, if you will, um, um, participating from their vantage point in the extraordinary event of the Krishna avatar, the avatari appearing as the avatar. It's an extraordinary event. So all these possibilities of, um, um, outside of the realm of our uh, f- frame of mental, central, intellectual reference come into play when the fountainhead of all divinity is in the world. So there are oracles, demigods may appear and so forth, whereas they may not more readily um, um, at times when he's not, when he's not, but when he's present here, then they're going to be closer to here. So they are there to, you know, assist in some respects in the leela. Just like Nard assisted in the leela by telling comps certain things that you would think he shouldn't tell them, but, but he's wanting to push the leel along, so the, the, the these devas, celestial beings, have some role in this way, and that's a prominent example of it. Which one or who, what his name is, who said that or hers? I, I can't tell you that, but that's the idea. Does that help? Yes, thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, I, I think I was just slightly just questioning, you know, why why it was that. Kansa would would listen to that message and take take weight of it, and I just wanted to understand yeah where where it came from. So thank you. Yeah, well, I guess we took. Uh, yeah, I think if you heard a voice coming out of the sky and other people heard it too, we won't take it pretty seriously, <laughs> right? Well, um, okay. So okay, sure. anyway, we run out of time. Thank you for your question and everybody else for their questions, and hope to be with you next week. Uh, Thank you very much.